We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, nine minutes after 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. It is the 23rd morning of the 11th month in the year of our Lord, 2021. Plenty of things to be thankful for this coming Thursday, not the least of which is my relationship and partnership and friendship with the great Peter Kersenow, who joins us now as he does each and every Tuesday when he's not busy sitting in for me and hosting the show himself. Peter Kersenow, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Cleveland attorney, best-selling author, columnist, part-time, sometime uh, law professor, and so much more. Peter, good morning. How are you? Doing well, Bob. Hey, you know, uh, I don't know if it's on my end. There seems to be a little bit of interruption with the audio. I don't know. I, I hope it's not the case with the broadcast to the public generally. But uh, if I don't understand you immediately, that's the reason. We were literally just discussing that during the break. We're having a little bit of a glitch, a little bit of uh, staticky stuff, and we're working our very uh, tails off to, to try to correct that right now. So uh, we'll do our best, and if you can't hear me, just let me know, and we'll try it again. All right, Peter Kirkenau. Um I want to start with what I started my broadcast with this morning, and since you were probably busy uh, working on behalf of clients, you probably didn't hear too much about it, but I am... Um, I am just about finished dealing with soft on crime liberal Democrats. The American left is is taking lives by their soft on crime policies, whether it be defunding or handcuffing police so that they cannot do their jobs to protect people without fear of being prosecuted or being killed, um, whether it be allowing extraordinary numbers of criminals and drugs and gang members to come across our southern border with impunity. They're killing American citizens in a variety of ways through the most recent and most glaring example. A soft on crime uh, prosecutor, a district attorney in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, had a career criminal with a record dating back to 1999 who was already facing multiple felonies 
felony felony charges, including a number of violent crimes, and instead of him sitting in a county jail waiting for his trial or being able to post a huge bond, he was allowed out two days before he um, rammed his SUV into the crowd, into the parade uh, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. He was allowed to get out on a $1,000 bail. All part of bringing equity to the criminal justice system. We need to make sure that not as many people of color are being prosecuted and are being jailed uh, as uh, uh, as possible because, uh, well, because equity demands it. There should be just an equal amount of whites and blacks in the criminal justice system. Peter, this has gone on long enough. Now people are dying because of these these policies and these platforms. And you say what? I say that what we have witnessed here is the devolution of society. It is the contrast between the sane and the insane. I mentioned, by the way, thanks so much for allowing me to guest host on your program. I think it's the best in the country, and it was a privilege to do so. And one of the things we talked about is the fact that we're no longer talking about conservative versus liberal um, Republican versus Democrat. This is sane versus insane. Anyone can look at what's happening throughout the country, and it's sheer insanity. Defunding the police, as we've discussed many times, is just sheer insanity. It's almost as if a bunch of little kids, not just little kids, because little kids get this, but kids who, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, been stoked up on sugar or something out of sugar high and come up with really bad ideas, like putting paint cans on top of their heads. This is what the Democrats have been doing throughout the country, and it has consequences. Several years ago, and as I've said to you and your listeners several times over the years, if you want to know what the left has in store for America five years from now, come to a Civil Rights Commission hearing today. And it's unfortunate that I have to say that, but it's, it's chilling to see the kind of lunacy that they propose at Civil Rights Commission hearings. I could go on and on and on, but this was one of them. We had, in fact, in, we were supposed to have last week a press conference where the liberal majority, well, at the time was majority, uh, was going to have a press conference for the release of the commission's bail reform report where you can imagine I wrote a scathing dissent. And in that bail reform uh, report, it talks about all the things that the left proposes that resulted in this guy, Daryl, whatever his name is, I don't even want to you know, grace him with, with his name, was released. It, 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 just, it proposes these very policies. And the presumption, as you've indicated, is that bail and other uh, mechanisms to keep the public safe pending mm-hmm. trial, because they have a disparate impact on blacks, is somehow a vestige of slavery and Jim Crow. It's, it's unfair. It is a, it's a societal evil that needs to be remedied. And what I keep saying, I think I'm the only person, in fact, I know I'm the only person on the commission that lives in an inner-city neighborhood. Uh, it gives you perspective when you do that. I have phenomenal neighbors, all of whom want more cops, all of whom want criminals locked up. But these guys, meaning Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, think that somehow that all blacks and other minorities want people released onto the street, that somehow this is just discriminatory. The victims of these people, 99% of the time, are other minorities. In this case, what we saw was the release harming apparently white people that nobody cares about because it doesn't feed a narrative. Now, consider for a second, Bob, and I know you probably have, the difference between, say, a Kyle Rittenhouse narrative and the Daryl Brooks narrative. We have been subjected to a year of 
of Rittenhouse and the defamation of Rittenhouse, who shot three people in clear self-defense. They were three white people that he shot, okay, but it was somehow made into a racial narrative. Daryl Brown, by the way, killed five people, not in self-defense, critically injured nearly a dozen, and dozens more were sent to the hospital. What do we hear from the mainstream media and the Democrats? But I repeat myself, well, the Democrats actually came out and tweeted, saying things favorable about this, you know, saying, and not only that, but trying to be snarky about Kyle Rittenhouse in contrast with uh, this Daryl Brooks character. It was astonishing, as if to say, in fact, one person said this, a Democratic strategist, a communications person for the county in which Waukesha is, said that this was somehow karma, and was making light of the fact. This is extraordinary. That person has since resigned, thankfully, but it is the mindset that we see throughout progressivism. It's, it's incredible. I don't mean to say every progressive is like this, but this is where the movement comes from to defund the police, lower bail, all kinds of other reforms that put criminals back on the street and allow, for example, you go to Chicago, you go to Philadelphia, you go to San Francisco, allow criminals to run rampant throughout the streets harming the, the, not just the quality of life, but life itself for the residents. We didn't ask for this stuff. Nobody polled us. But think about the crickets you hear from the media with respect to Daryl Brooks. You'd have to go to, C you go to CNN right now. I can tell you what's on. The closing arguments in the Ahmed Aubrey case. Not, not to say that that's not newsworthy, right. but if this were uh, reversed, let's say a white person had mowed down a, um, a march of uh, Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. We know what the result would be in the media. We know that. We also know that Joe Biden would have the Justice Department down there in droves. We know what the reaction would be, but not here. Now, remember also, not just uh, the contrast between, say, Kyle Rittenhouse, but probably the closest contrast is Charlottesville from four years ago. Remember Charlottesville? Of course. Where the, the alleged supremacist, one guy runs his car into another car, which runs into another car that kills um, Heather Heyer. Mm -hmm. Tragedy. Horrific. One person is killed, and the Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, are still talking about it. But nothing with respect to Daryl Brooks. You go to CNN and MSNBC, they may have a little blurb about it, but it doesn't feed the narrative. This is despicable. It's evil. People are getting killed. We have to have some semblance of law and order in this country, or we won't have a country anymore. We need to Let reclaim me. the America that we used to have, that is one that respected the rule of law. Let me uh, read something to you that'll probably chill your blood. Uh, it did mine when I read this. The prosecutor in Milwaukee County, whose name is John Chisholm, is one is considered to be one of the leaders of the progressive prosecutor movement, where we're lowering bail and or or letting people out on no bail, particularly if they're people of color, because bail is is uh, is is uh, uh, you know disparately impacts people who are poor and they can't afford to get out, whereas white people, generally speaking, have the amount of money to post bail, so they lowered it. John Chisholm was elected DA in uh, Milwaukee County in 2007. And it was in 2007 that he announced his platform of what we're talking about right now. And divert, or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. End quote. He, he knew 
what he was proposing was going to kill people. And he is willing to sacrifice the lives of those innocent people in order to uh, affect his overall approach. He's trying to bring equity. And that's exactly the same word that Kamala Harris used when he responded to the Rittenhouse verdict, saying she has spent a good part of her career and her life trying to bring equity to the criminal justice system. Equity cannot be a part of the criminal justice system. You cannot strive for or push for the same number of people of every color or proportionate percentage uh, in, in prisons because they're just not committing crimes at the same rate. This guy said, doesn't matter if it kills people, I'm going to do this, uh, and I don't care. And in fact, he didn't say, I don't know if it's going to kill people. He said it will. You bet, guaranteed, and he's fine with it, Pete. Um, I, I need to pause for a second so I could uh, compose myself because people are dead because of his pretensions. Um, this is part of progressivism going back decades. You know, the old statement uh, coming from uh, the true Marxists is that, uh, you know, you've got to break some eggs in order to make an omelet. That's their approach. They want to create this particular type of universe that they think is nirvana on earth and they don't mind who gets hurt in the interim because usually they're insulated from it they're nowhere near the consequences of their actions and this is predictable but you know what um the people of the state of wisconsin of waukesha of uh any other jurisdiction in which this kind of mentality prevails among elected leaders and prosecutors they have uh Thank goodness for now, they've got the ability to remedy the situation by getting these folks out of office as quickly as possible. You know, I am not one of these folks um, who is in favor of eliminating qualified immunity. There are these, again, there are some professors out there and others who want to eliminate qualified immunity from um, mainly from cops, uh, but also from uh, other uh, officials. And I think that could be a real problem for a host of reasons we won't get into. But if there ever were an argument in favor of it, when you see somebody who, as you just indicated, knew prior to the implementation of a policy that it was going to result or likely result in harm to his fellow man, my goodness, that is despicable. Again, we've got the ballot box, and maybe that's much too light a, uh, a repercussion for this individual. But we need to do something to reclaim civilization. We are. This, this is a matter of civilization at this point. It's a matter of sanity. It has gotten Peter, to that point. Peter, I suspect I already know the answer to this, but since you just said perhaps that's too light of a uh, repercussion as to vote him out of there, but uh, it, it brought to mind a, 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 a Facebook direct message I received this morning before you came on. And it says, question for Kersenow. At what point can a DA face charges for criminal negligence? If his neglect is for, uh, for setting appropriate bail can be shown to have directly led to the death and injury of innocent citizens, uh, can he ever be charged with negligence? No, I mean, that is very, 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 very difficult to do. And for reasons I mentioned, in most cases, public officials have a qualified immunity from the consequences of their actions. Now, if you can show malice of forethought and intent, where he is specifically trying to engineer a particular result that results in um, uh, the death, if it's, you know, 
not just foreseeable, but a direct consequence, that's another matter. It requires that kind of element of intent, not simply negligence or, or recklessness. Um, and again, it depends on jurisdiction, too, because there are certain standards in other jurisdictions, but it's very, very unlikely. There's, it's, it's kind of um, similar to with somebody, and I think you and I may have had the discussion about could Kyle Rittenhouse sue the President of the United States. Yeah, you can sue the President of the United States for something that occurred prior to his presidency, but the thought is that if the President were subject to lawsuit while sitting in office, he could be severely hamstrung and compromised. So while the suit could be pending, there could be no, for example, trial or adjudication. Now, again, there are differences. There, there, there are certain exceptions to everything, but that's the general rule. But even if it doesn't uh, happen while he's in office for the reasons you just said, the moment he's out, the moment he's out, that lawsuit could go forward and those damages could be, could be awarded to the, the, the uh, plaintiff, right? Well, well, that's what we're going to see. I think Kyle Rittenhouse is even thinking about that. If you oh, yeah. Watch, he, I know he mentioned that last night. <laughs> yeah, he said he's got uh, some great you know, attorneys on that for he's him. He's got some great attorneys. I think it's a high bar. Uh, public officials, you know, in the furtherance of their duties, have got a lot of latitude while they're serving as public officials. And there's also, in yeah, fact, but again, he was, he was not serving. He was not serving. He was that's candidate what I Biden. Said. Yeah, he, he was, was candidate he was Biden, and he defamed his a campaign. Yeah, yeah, he defamed exactly. a 17-year-old no, boy's character. There, right. No doubt about it. You, he is not insulated. He, in other words, running for president and becoming president doesn't forever bar you or insulate you from the repercussions of what you've done prior to become president. It's just that during the presidency itself, you know, we, we talked about this during Bill Clinton uh, impeachment, but during the president, presidency itself, right. in most cases, lawsuits will not pertain during that period, but then could resume, presumably, after he right. leaves office. And, and after he leaves office, it is my fervent hope that Kyle Rittenhouse owns every nickel Hunter Biden ever stole. Uh, we'll be right back uh, with Peter Carson on May 14, 20, The Answer. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Hey, Peter Kirsten now continuing with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Perfect guy for stories like this, even though he's barely been a perfect guy for all of the things we discussed, but he is an attorney. Uh, Pete, another example of what we've been talking about, the left being uh, soft on crime and how it's impacting you know everyday Americans. Sometimes it's killing them and taking their lives, like we saw in Waukesha. Other times it's destroying businesses, costing people their jobs. If you have not been paying attention to what's going on in the Bay Area, and I'm sure you have, day after day after day after day, high-end stores from Nordstrom to Louis Vuitton to Lululemon to uh, jewelry stores are being hit by dozens and dozens of criminals who are going in, smashing things, uh, and, and taking goods uh, from these stores. They are all taking advantage of the law that exists in, in uh, California, and I don't know if it's in San Francisco County or how far it's spread, but that says if you steal less than $1,000 worth of stuff, it's not a felony, it's just a misdemeanor. And that's not per day, that's per store. You can go from store to store to store and steal 900 bucks worth of stuff, leave, and they won't even chase you. Because if they catch you, the only thing they're going to get is a misdemeanor anyway. So the police can't do anything about it. The store owners can't do anything about it. It's putting people under. And once again, this is in an effort to cater to criminals. And as sad as it sounds, Peter... 
this is all part of the goal of equity in the criminal justice system. Most yep. of these, most of these looters and smash and grabbers are minorities. And if we arrest them all and charge them with felonies, the jails are going to fill up and the prisons are going to fill up with more minorities, creating again that that uh, you know that inequity in the system. Uh, look, the the best descriptor of them is not minorities; they're criminals. You lock up criminals. You charge criminals. Um, pro tip, and I think I've said this before. First of all, you never see anywhere, look, scour the Constitution. I've got my copy right in front of me. Go through it. All the amendments, too. Go through it several times. You'll never see the word equity anywhere. And if you hear the word equity attached to anything related to criminal justice or government itself, run for the hills. Run for the hills, because there's nothing anywhere in the law with respect to equity. If you see it outside the context of home finance, you know you're being taken for a ride. The Democratic Party, the media, and progressives, but I repeat myself, have been making, you know, Victor Davis Hanson, I'm going off on a tangent here, but Victor Davis Hanson has a new book out, and I, I'm not in the business of promoting Victor Davis Hanson's books, but it's an excellent book from what I understand. I only watched his C-SPAN interview about it, but it was, it was a master's class in just civilization. It was truly amazing. But among other things, the the book is called Dying Citizen. The citizens of the United States of America are being treated by their government, mainly the federal government, but also state and local governments increasingly as if they're aliens in their own land. More is being required of them. More punishments are being meted out to them, law-abiding citizens, than are being meted out to aliens, illegal aliens, people who have you know, breach the compact between citizen or individual and the country and the state. And that's what's going on here with respect to crime. Criminals are being advantaged and privileged over the law-abiding. And the question Mm -hmm. then becomes, why be law-abiding? And this is a natural consequence. I I, I think I may have mentioned on your show once before, the last time I was in San Francisco was just before the pandemic. And prior to that, I hadn't been there in five years. I was struck when I got out of the cab from the airport but I was in downtown San Francisco business district, and almost every, I don't want to exaggerate this, but about every eight or nine feet, there was a pile of human feces. There were also, in, in a beautiful, otherwise beautiful area, at least in terms of the edifices, homeless in these, these ba- with bags around them and tents around them at almost every 50 feet. And the populace, I watched them, astonished at how they would simply walk by without even a, a look of, of remark, a remarkable look on their face. They, they didn't even uh, uh, attempt to dodge the feces. It's almost like they knew They're where it They're They're used to it, yeah. Well, exactly. This is the decline of civilization. We cannot permit something like this. This and becomes it's... Lord of the Flies territory if we do, and we're already there, frankly. Well, of course it's Lord of the Flies when there's that much excrement on the street. All right, Peter, we'll take our time out here, uh, and we're going to come back and talk about the culture and how it is that people like George Floyd are now being celebrated while people like Thomas Jefferson are being canceled. I'll share that story with you and everyone else next. AM 1420. Giving woke America a wake-up call. Courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 
All right, 1037. Peter Kersenow continues with us on this Tuesday edition. By the way, last live show for me this week. Tomorrow, my good friend Rob Walgate is going to be sitting in for us from the American Policy Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, and the Public Square Broadcast Network. Love to have Rob, just as we had Pete last week, and he's going to take you through Wednesday as I'll be out of town. Thursday, of course, Thanksgiving Day, Friday, Black Friday, celebratory times around here, a lot of very good family stuff going on there. We'll have best of shows both days, and I think you're going to like them because there have been some phenomenal interviews that we have conducted over the course of the past few months uh, that you're going to want to hear again. If you uh, heard, That's if you heard them the first time, but uh, you'll be treated to some very good ones uh, coming up on Thursday and Friday. Peter Kersenow does continue with us now. Pete, two things left to talk with you about. One is the Kersenow, or Kersenow. <laughs> I almost said Kersenhaus. I combined Rittenhouse and Kersenow. <laughs> you were just about to be Kersenhaus. Sorry. Kyle Rittenhouse and his uh, one-on-one interview with Tucker Carlson that you and I both watched last night, and I know you have thoughts on, but before we do that, I sent you two headlines this morning as we prepared our broadcast. And um, they're just astounding in, in what they say about our culture to me. I want to hear what they say to you about our culture. The first headline is from the New York Post, and it was from this morning as I prepared the show. New York City Hall removes Thomas Jefferson statue. Now, actually, you know what? That was a description of the headline. Let me pull that back. The actual headline reads... Bear with me, I apologize. The actual headline, Thomas, same thing, Thomas Jefferson statue removed from City Hall after 187 years. The next headline is from the Daily Wire, also this morning. Catholic University hangs painting that presents George Floyd as Jesus. Thomas, Hammer, uh, Thomas Jefferson is gone. George Floyd is Jesus. Peter Kersenow, make sense of that for me. Uh, it cannot. I can't make sense of it. It's dispiriting, to say the least. It um, It's angering, at bare minimum. What we have, and we've seen this for a number of years, but it's reaching, I, I'm hoping it has reached a crescendo, but I think it's continuing to build, is this effort. This Make no mistake what's going on. I think all of your listeners now, it's not a conspiracy theory, all of your listeners now understand, after having viewed what's happened over the last several years, as part of an organized and concerted effort to change the country, dumb it down, number one, then convince the dumb, the dumbed, that the United States is an inveterately evil place and must necessarily be reformed, and reformed in the direction in which the left would like to reform it, and they manipulate these individuals, so so as to do things such as, first of all, you've got to erase the preliminary structure and platform of America that made it the greatest nation on earth in order to justify reforming it. We saw the same type of dynamics, by the way, in, remember when the Taliban, back 25 or so years ago, before 9-11, blew up those Buddhist statues, and, you know, we were kind of mystified and appalled by what had happened. We knew there was something intrinsically wrong with that. Maybe couldn't put our fingers on it, but we'd seen throughout history similar things happening, such as in 1917 or during the Cultural Revolution in China. Um, Those were huge, earth-shattering changes, momentous changes that will affect the world for centuries, already for a century, but for centuries to come. It will affect the world, but that's a sense of what's going on here right now. What's most troubling is what the Catholic University did. Um, what we've, 
when we don't have the bulwark of the Did church. Did you see the painting, church. by the way, Pete? Did you see the painting that we're talking about? No, I've seen a similar one. I haven't seen the one you're talking about, but I've seen similar ones with George Floyd looking as if he's on a crucifix. Um, well, I've in this, seen similar ones. In this particular one, there is a black Mother Mary holding the just uh, removed from the cross George Floyd uh, in her arms. It's literally a very famous painting of, of the Virgin Mother uh, holding her dead son and wailing. Uh, and in this case, it's a black Virgin Mary, and it is George Floyd in the role of Christ. Go ahead. You know, you, you hope that the Church, at least the Catholic Church, would stand as a bulwark against this lunacy uh, and the sacrilegion. Uh, this is something that we've seen in a lot of old Protestant mainline churches that are now going by the wayside. They can't fill their pews. And for a variety of reasons that we don't have time to get into, but I think your listeners understand, we are seeing the evisceration of the spiritual life of America in a way that's appalling and damaging and dangerous. Because we can talk about the Constitution as much as we want to, Bob, and it's extremely important to do so. We have to talk about the founding documents and the, the principles that made this country great. But the Founding Fathers understood that undergirding everything was a spirituality in the United States of America that wasn't apparent or was waning in other Western countries. And to the extent we make a mockery of that, I think we're going to re- reap the whirlwind. I'm ill-equipped, Bob, to wax eloquent on matters related to relig- religiosity. You and I have had offline discussions about it. We, we know that we are troubled by the direction in which our church is going. We have a number of very fine people in the church, but if the Catholic Church, not to diminish any other religions, but, but the Catholic Church as being the largest single denomination in the United States of America can't hold firm to its principles, we're in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, you see more and more of that kind of, you used to see that kind of thing 20 or 30 years ago in venues that would mock the church and would try to right. tear down the church. And now we're seeing it in certain precincts, usually in universities that are allegedly Catholic. Uh, we're seeing it there. So this continued uh, drive toward, agnost- well, I don't even know what it would be, but a lack of spirituality in, in mocking the church, that has a a troubling dynamic, and it has a dynamic that's troubling that goes beyond. For those of your listeners who may be agnostic or atheist, I think because they listen, they understand that there are certain principles that undergird the United States of America, whether or not you are a believer or not. And to the extent those are eroded, that augurs poorly for the continued viability of what we consider to be the greatest experiment in the history of the world. You know, Pete, um, it's it's a great response, particularly as it pertains to the Catholic Church and the movement of the Church, which is leading to the slow, I think, you know, dare I say, demise of the Church. Um, but aside from just the Catholic point of view here and the portrayal of Floyd as Jesus, just the portrayal of Floyd as a hero in any sense yep. is is the bigger issue for me. We're in a culture that takes a guy who has lived his life as a career criminal, a drug dealer, a drug abuser, a, a, a man who had enough fentanyl to kill five people in his system at the time that he died, um, and and a man whose you know uh, record is is extraordinary, including a record of assaulting women, breaking in, holding a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach as his colleagues and fellow thugs ransacked and stole. Uh, things from her home 
and and he's being treated as a hero. Forget about the fact that you know he's being tor- portrayed in in religious circles in such ways, but just the fact that he is thought of as a hero because of Officer Derek Chauvin's knee on his neck. Now I understand the 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 the, the um, uh, optics of that, and I understand everything about that case, but that the way he died does not change the way he lived. He did not live a life yeah. of a hero. He did not live a life of a of a martyr, of a of a good man who was taken down by an unjust person. He lived the life of a career criminal thug, and now his entire history is being whitewashed because of the way he died. And meanwhile, again, as we juxtapose this with Thomas Jefferson, here's a man who was not sinless 187 years ago. He was not sinless, uh, uh, but when the statue was built and put up there, he was not sinless when he lived. But his his lifelong legacy of greatness and and the creation of this this republic is whitewashed in the opposite way, and we only remember him for his sins. The juxtaposition yeah. here is staggering. It is staggering, and if you talk to people on the left, which I do regularly, I mean, I'm, I'm among them all the time, sure. but when you talk to people on the left, just as with the Kyle Rittenhouse case, they are not even aware of 90% of the facts dealing with George Floyd. These aren't necessarily bad people, evil people, corrupt people. A lot of them are simply ignorant. I don't mean that to say that in a disparaging way. It's the apt description. They don't even know of this because the media that they watch, and I just had an experience yesterday similar to this where I was astonished, a very smart person, very accomplished person who knew virtually nothing about the facts of the Rittenhouse case. In this case, for the majority of people, remember, Bob, we are still in the minority and most of our listeners with respect to um, the type of media that they get their news from. Most people get it from major big tech or from ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post. And if you get your news from those organs, much of what you just described in that very good cogent description of of George Floyd and all the things that he did, they're oblivious to that. They actually don't know it. They don't live in the same world we do. They've been immersed in propaganda. Again, this goes back to 1917 or the Cultural Revolution. The same types of dynamics are pervading. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who are doing this intentionally. Don't get me wrong, in a nation of 330, 340 million people, you've got a lot of people who know precisely what's going on. They're trying to manipulate the populace for political gain or for cultural gain. But the the, the masses of people out there that I've spoken to, very smart people and some people who aren't necessarily just average people, but they don't know 90% of what you and your listeners know. And so they will, they think, many of them think that George, many of them, this is astonishing to your listeners. I've talked to a lot of people who know nothing about George Floyd's background, nothing whatsoever, that he was a criminal at all or anything like that. And then, as you said, the, the emotional uh, dynamic of seeing the video, and we know what happens whenever you see videos. The minute I saw that video, I said, oh, my goodness, this is going to be something that's going to be a meme for years to come. Just like with Michael Brown, most people still think, most people on the left at least, still think, Hands up, don't shoot. They think that Michael Brown had his hands up in the air, and Derek Wilson, Darren Wilson, had, sh- had shot him. In the back. With no provocation whatsoever. You know? In the no. back. In the I mean, back was the story. Look too. at what's happening with Kyle Rittenhouse right now. Look what's happening. Politicians, many of whom, some of whom know better, but many of them actually believe, they actually believe that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black guys. You t- this is... We operate, unfortunately, conservatives. We, you know, we tend to talk to other conservatives. We watch conservative media, and we think that everyone else thinks as we do with respect to a common set of facts. But that is not the case. I walked past CNN this morning, 
CNN is 24-7, and, and, to, and to a large extent, justifiably so, on Ahmed Aubrey. Okay, that's their dynamic. They went from Rittenhouse. Now they're going to jump to they're going to skip over Daryl Brooks, by the way, maybe make some oblique reference to it, but then go to Ahmed Aubrey. They are hoping that they can inflame that in the same way they've inflamed so many other things that inflamed unnecessarily Americans. Facts are important. Tucker Carlson, I think, has a, a new book out or something related to, I think he's called The Long Slide or The 30-Year Slide, talking about the trajectory that he was on starting out as a young journalist and how things have deteriorated remarkably. We are seeing now, we've seen it during the Trump administration in such a, a stark fashion, uh, the media was always biased, and we know that. But now it has gone from bias to propaganda, to utter corruption. We are seeing, as Kyle Rittenhouse said, lies being told. And I don't use that term lightly because you could say falsehood. When someone makes a mistake, something reported could still be false and not done intentionally. Here we've seen an intent to do so. We saw it with the greatest political scandal in American history, that is the Trump-Russia collusion scandal, which now has been laid completely bare as being the fraud that all of us knew it to be, and yet they downplay that, and to the extent they talk about it at all, they still go along with this meme as if this actually occurred. The Washington Post had a very small retraction in it after going for four years trumpeting it on their front pages. So this is what I mean when I say a lot of people are not even aware of the discrete facts related to George Floyd um, or almost any other major story that we've been talking about for quite some time, and we scratch our heads. How could they be on, on, uh, you know, uh, on the other side of a particular issue that's so plain and so clear? Well, uh, you, you know, if you're operating from a certain set of facts, then you, know, you can reach a different conclusion, and that's what's happening well, right now. It's being done intentionally. Pete, let me put a cap on all of that um, by, by bringing out the worst part about it, which is, for example, in the Rittenhouse case, how could the media be so wrong about so much for the entirety of a, of a year plus, about a year and a half, uh, since that, that situation in, in Kenosha? It's one thing for them to be wrong. It's a second thing for them to be intentionally wrong because right. that's what they were. Uh, you, you, you know as well as I do that they follow the mantra is if, if the, Victim is black. We put the word black before man in every single story. Uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, a black man. Joseph, uh, uh, what's he, uh, Hube, Anthony Huber, a black man, shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. Black is in front of every single vi uh, victim, if the victim is a person of color. It is never in front of the name or of the word man if it is the perpetrator. So, you know, had Kyle Rittenhouse been black and shot three white people, the narrative uh, would have never, ever been had anything to do with race. But because what they tried to do, Pete, is let the American people think that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black people. He shot three right. people at a BLM rally. Therefore, he shot three black people. There are people today, a week, uh, four days after the verdict, who still think he shot three black people because that's the way the media portrayed it. But you're right. They are. And, and my third part that makes this the worst, Peter, is that Facebook, YouTube, Google, they literally banned people from their platforms right. if over the course of the last 15 months they tried to show support for Kyle Rittenhouse. If they tried to 
to to clarify and to and to erase the fake news of it and say no this is what happened no the the gun wasn't illegal because of this no he didn't carry it across state lines no it wasn't three black people no he didn't chase Joseph Rosamond Joseph Rosamond chased him if you wrote any of those things they closed you down so right. so it's one thing for the media to get it wrong intentionally it's another thing for the tech giants to not allow you to correct those wrongs that is, yeah, is to me, the worst about all of this. Last second. It last is, and, and it has, it has very, very bad consequences for the country. We're seeing it right now. And among other things, and this is not even the most important consequence, but what it does with respect to the Rittenhouse case and with respect to, you know, uh, the... Um, uh, Daryl Brooks' case is, it infantilizes all Americans, but particularly black Americans. It makes it seem as if blacks, first of all, don't have the smarts to figure out what's going on. Number two, don't have any agency whatsoever. And so... Blacks, of course, are always perpetual victims. There's nothing that they can do about that. And it makes blacks look so pathetic. It's reprehensible. It infuriates me tremendously. Like you're saying to me, I'm too dumb to figure stuff out. I'm not a man. I can't take care of myself. But unfortunately, there's a lot of folks in the Democratic Party who want... The Democratic Party has at least been consistent from at least the the copperheads of the 1850s. They've been consistent throughout. But we need to reject this infantilization, it's easy for you to say, out of hand because it's damaging for all Americans and for the American experiment. Amen. It is all of that. Peter Kirsten, I'll thank you for your time and a very blessed and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon, indeed. You got it right this time. Thank you, Pete. Uh, quick time out to wrap it right after this. Well, that is going to do it for this Tuesday, and it's going to do it for uh, me this week in terms of live radio. Rob Walgate will be in for me tomorrow. I certainly appreciate his willingness to do that. Uh, then on Thursday and Friday, we're going to have best ofs, and I think you're going to have some great, great interviews uh, that you may have missed or segments that you have may, may have missed over the course of the last several months. It's just a great way to catch up. Uh, on some of the things that we do. So that's coming up on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll be back live next Monday, obviously. Uh, try to try to kind of keep your, your head about you, if you could, this weekend, this uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend, and I'm talking about the long weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you could. Be thankful. Do exactly what the day recommends that we all do. Be thankful for what we have. But while you're doing that, try to keep your mind on what needs to be done. I would never want to steal from my friend Larry Elder. When he says we've got a country to save. But we are now less than 12 months away. Less than 12 months away from the election that is going to either doom or save our country. Let's think about all of the things that this country has to work on and all the things we can do in that effort. Be thankful for what we have this weekend, but be cognizant of what needs to be done. Thank you, my friends. God bless you and your families. Happy Thanksgiving, and let's go, Brandon.